It's time for the Plan with Dan podcast, the show that will help you discover and achieve your true purpose for money and make you a more confident investor. We'll talk about sane and intelligent approaches to financial planning. Now, let's Plan with Dan. This is the Plan with Dan podcast. I'm Mark Haywood alongside Dan Betzel, the founder of Betzel Wealth Advisors, serving you in the greater Columbus area with an office in Gahanna near the airport. You can find Dan online by going to BetzelWealthAdvisors.com. That's BetzelWealthAdvisors.com. Or you can reach out and give the man a call. Just call 614-472-4510. That's 614-472-4510. We'll give that number out a little bit later on in the podcast as well, so you can skim around and find that. But we'd love to just encourage you to reach out with Dan. That's what this podcast is all about, connecting you and Dan, giving you answers to some of your toughest questions about retirement, and just being able to talk through some of the different issues that you're facing as you plan out your financial life. Dan, welcome back into another edition of the program. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Mark. And how are you doing? How are things down there down south? Oh, they're going well. I'm actually about to embark on a trip to Charleston, to Charlestown, you know. Excellent. So I'm excited for some of that good southern cuisine and the beach and the sunshine. I have to tell you how it went. It's a beautiful, the architecture is beautiful in Charleston. <laughs> it is. It certainly is. And, uh, well, I'll, I'll leave it there. We don't want to make anybody jealous, of course, you know. But uh, stay with us. Maybe on the next podcast, I'll do a recap on that for you. Excellent. Good to be with you, as always. So we talked off air before we got in because this, this next topic, it's kind of funny. The producers titled it, Five Simple Retirement Questions in parentheses, that are hard to answer. And it's funny because I know you and I just talked before we recorded that some of these, in our minds, we're thinking, wow, these actually are hard to answer. I'm not sure how we're going to do a podcast about this because of some of these questions. For sure, for sure. But we we are going to do our best. We're going to dive into them because they're five questions that we get a lot. They're five scenarios that you are going to face, most likely, as you plan for retirement. And they seem so simple. They're deceptively simple. I mean, they really do. But when you get into the nitty gritty, you'll find that, well, maybe they're not quite as simple as you thought. So absolutely. Let's just go into this first one, you know, deciding when to take your social security. I mean, I would say that's anything but simple. Um, There are some like simple rules of thumb that usually get people into trouble. You know, so I mean, social security is it's one of those mega laws that you know, it's impacted by so many other decisions you're making. So it's really hard to see it in isolation. Like, for example, if you, people will say, well, I'm going to start taking my social security early at age 62 and they're still working and they don't realize that, oh my gosh, if you're still working and you haven't reached your full retirement age, which for most people is 66 or 67, that I've had people that have told me they've had to pay a huge portion of that back because the amount of social security that you're able to to actually collect before you reach your full retirement age is impacted with whether you're working or not. You know, there's income taxation of social security based on your other income or your distributions from your retirement 401k or, or IRA. It has implications for if you pass away what your spouse is going to get. I mean, wow. I don't mean to like scare people or whatever or give them too many details, but this is anything but simple. I would say that you need to meet with somebody. And usually when I meet with someone, we have to actually uh, make a couple calls to the uh, Social Security Administration to get, to get some information from them before we can actually move forward with it. So yeah, it's not simple. Don't be afraid of it, but don't wait to the last minute and don't just do something because, hey, I'm 62. I can get it. I should get it now. 
Maybe that's the best decision. Maybe it's not. Maybe you need to wait till your full retirement age, or maybe you need to wait till you're 70. You know, who knows? It all depends on your on your unique situation. And we, of course, want to help you think through those questions. And as you come in, if you come in for a visit, we can actually help you decide, you know, exactly when, given your situation, is the right time. But it does involve that process. And so you really want to get that started as soon as possible so that you know when to start Social Security. Dan, here's another interesting one. Designing a truly diversified portfolio. I like how the producers put truly right there in the notes, implying that it's easy to think you're diversified, but perhaps, in fact, you are not. Yeah, well, this is something I I actually see a lot. So there's a difference between being truly diversified and just having a lot of stuff. So sometimes people have a lot of stuff in their portfolio, but they don't realize that a lot of it's redundant. So if you have, for example, you know, three U.S. equity mutual funds, well, it could very well be that, you know, all three U.S. equity funds have, you know, 80% overlap, you know, they have almost the exact same things in them. So that's something that's that's often uh, really, really problematic. And then other people will say, well, you know, I have 30 stocks in my portfolio. Am I not really diversified? Because I have one U.S. large, one small, one value, one international, one bond. And for most people, again, that is not, you know, real diversification. I mean, real diversification, I think, is based on, you know, sound, evidence-based, economic theory. There are 19 distinct asset categories, and you want to make sure your portfolio has representation of all of those asset categories. That's true diversification. So it's one of those things that it seems simple, sounds simple, but it's actually very complex. There's a lot of math, a lot of economic theory and finance involved in it. All right, this next one kind of goes right along with that, picking the funds in your 401k. What to invest in? Yeah, you know, there's. I think it's extremely important for most of my clients because the majority of their of their investment you know, assets are, are in their employer 401ks, 403bs. And yet sometimes it's very, very difficult for me to help them because of the severe limitations on their platform. Now, it would be nice if they had available to them you know, the entire world of, of what's available in the market. But my experience has been, I don't think I've ever seen a plan that has, that has a very wide open platform. The majority of the plans are tied into a specific company, to a specific company's products, or even if it is tied into a, a larger platform, they still limit your choices, you know, to make record keeping easy and, and to make it easy on the company. And I understand that. So it's actually sometimes harder to put together a well-diversified portfolio that meets the objectives and risk tolerance of a client because we often have limited choices. But nevertheless, we have to do it. We have to do our very, very best, get it as close as we can. And then often there are problems with rebalancing, with portfolio drift. All this stuff has to be analyzed and, and to be and to be followed. And um, again, something that seems really simple can end up being very complex. All right, Dan, doing a 401k rollover, that's another one of those things that it seems simple. The idea of it's simple. You take it from one fund and put it into another type of fund. But it's actually a little more complicated than that. Yeah, I mean... Whether or not you should do a 401k rollover, I think in the majority of cases, it makes a lot of sense for a person, you know, to do a 401k rollover, you know, but but not always. Like I was meeting with someone a few weeks ago and they were talking about they may need to take a loan from their 401k. They were el- eligible to do an in-service withdrawal and they wanted to withdraw to the IRA. And I'm like, wait a minute. There's no loan provisions for an IRA, but there are loan provisions in a 401k. So maybe you better make sure that that issue is 
is something that you want to do or not do before you move it. So, you know, the 401k refers to Section 401k of the Internal Revenue Code, and there are certain, I guess, tax advantages and certain things that apply to a 401k that don't necessarily apply to an IRA. Now, if I could say, as a general rule for most people, you can lower your costs and you can increase the uh, available investment choices in a self-directed IRA, but there are these cases where maybe it's not best because maybe you do want to do a loan and you would not be able to do a loan from an IRA. Does that make sense? It does make sense, Dan. I think so many of these issues come back to the idea of them simple. Executing it is a lot more difficult. It's a lot harder. And that's why we really encourage folks to come in for a visit with you. And so you can explain how to walk them through that process step by step and explain exactly what needs to happen. Finally, let's talk a little bit about nursing home care. That's something that I know nobody wants to talk about. But statistically speaking, we are more likely to end up in a nursing home than not. And we need to address the cost of nursing home care. That's complicated. Yeah, it's very complicated. I guess the other point I want to make is that any of these issues that we've been talking about, whether you know whether it's Social Security or picking your 401k investment options or doing a rollover, that they can't be seen in isolation. It's really, really important that everything is seen in relationship to a larger goal comprehensive plan. And certainly, I talk with all of my clients at our review meetings, you know, they said there's you know, these five areas of holistic estate planning. One of them is risk analysis. And when we're younger, of course, the risk is that we may pass away and want to make sure that our spouse and our children are taken care of and we need life insurance. But as we get older, you know, the children are raised, the house is paid for, you know, we're now getting our pension and, and our Social Security, but the risk changes. The risk now for a lot of people is, you know, nursing home stay, long-term care. And there's so much confusion around this issue. Some people believe that Medicare will pay for it. I know from my own experience with my with my mom's illness, you know, Medicare pays for three days once you reach what they called your baseline. In other words, once you're not getting better anymore. Because Medicare does not pay for custodial care, and they and they really do. They call the family in, and they say, you have 24 hours. What do you want to do? Take your mom home, go on private pay, or do you have insurance? So those are real difficult <laughs> situations to be thrust upon, you know, uh, at a time when, when no one really is, has the frame of mind or reference uh, to make good decisions. So you need to have a talk with a professional about how you're going to address the cost of long-term care. Now, Dan, with any of these topics, like we said, they're complicated, a little bit difficult to execute. What does it look like to just come into your office, have a conversation, and maybe get that process started? Well, that's exactly what it is. It's a process. It's not a product. There is no one answer or one solution fits everyone. But yeah, so call the office, go online, request your retirement rescue toolkit. We have videos you can download, educate yourself. And come in and, you know, have a discussion about the five areas of holistic financial planning and, you know, begin to, to decide, you know, which areas you want to tackle first. And remember, it's a process. You don't figure it all out all at once, but you start to take steps. And before you know it, you know, all the pieces will be coming together and you'll have, hopefully, the goal is a real sense of financial peace of mind around, around your retirement planning goals. If you'd like to reach out to Dan there at Betsa Wealth Advisors, you can give him a call. Just dial 614-472-4510. He'd be more than happy to meet with you. 614-472-4510. That is the phone number. Or you can go online to BetzelWealthAdvisors.com. That's BetzelWealthAdvisors.com. Dan, let's go ahead and transition now and take a question out of the mailbag. Excellent. 
It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. Well, Dan, we do love to hear from our listeners out there. We always like featuring your questions on the show. On this edition of the podcast, we've got a question from Jeff in Worthington. Jeff says, I want to retire in five years when I turn 55. Is that a bad idea? Wow, Jeff, first of all, congratulations that you can even uh, seriously consider that. That's fantastic. You must have done a lot of really great things. But, you know, as as everything um, in, in financial planning, in the legal world, you know, the answer, unfortunately, is often, well, you know, it depends. I guess the first thing I'd say is that, you know, there are certainly financial questions you have to answer. And there are also maybe more emotional or psychological questions because I, I meet work with a lot of retired people. and They've told me, you know, Dan, it's not just enough to be freed from work. I have to be free to do something else. So they have to have some sort of plan to stay active and busy in retirement. And, you know, especially, you know, at, at 55, you know, you're still very much, you know, a young man and there's all kinds of things. So I, I really would encourage you to you know, look at your portfolio. How is it being managed? Get really clear about your budget and make sure that you're not going to be sacrificing long term because, you know, hopefully you'll have 30 or more years of retirement. What's the impact going to be of inflation? What's the impact going to be of maybe perhaps new taxes? Do you have a pension plan? Is is it going to have an annual reset for inflation? I mean, there's lots and lots of things for you to discuss. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do it, I'm saying that you really need to take some time and do some serious planning to meet with someone and make sure that all of these potential risks or threats to your retirement income planning, that they can withstand a stress test. There's a something called a Monte Carlo analysis, and I would recommend that you um, talk to someone and who can help you do that on your portfolio. And it'll give you like a probability, like here's the probability based on these input factors, you know, that you will not run out of money before age 70, 75, 80, 85. It's, it's a really good discussion tool, and that's all that it is. It's not a definitive or dispositive statement of what you should do, but it's giving you information. Get some information. You have five years to do it, and I think as you get more information, it should become clear whether your plan is feasible or not, but good luck with it. Well, thank you certainly for writing in, Jeff. We hope that helps you to start answering that question. And as always, you can reach out to Dan for more specific answers and really dive into those nitty-gritty details of your situation. Dan, how about now we see what you have for us in Mind Over Money. Let's take a look at some of the psychology behind investment behavior. It's time for Mind Over Money. This is always one of my favorite segments of the show. It's getting into that idea of the psychology behind investing, the fact that we're emotional investors. Behavioral investing is a thing. We love just seeing what Dan has for us in all of those categories. Dan, what do you have for us this week? You know, um, whenever we do the podcast, I try to think about conversations I had in the last week or so and maybe use them as a springboard. And I had I met uh, maybe two weeks ago. I mean, a very nice couple, getting close to be retiring, and came in to talk about the various options. And it just became very clear to me, once again, it's, it's always important, but I just was reminded again how important our beliefs are about money and how there can be you know, empowering beliefs and disempowering beliefs. And what I want to talk to people about today is – you know, if we're aware that a certain viewpoint we have is nothing more than a belief that we made up or that we decided to embrace, then we're conscious of that. 
and we're able, you know, then to perhaps make some changes. But what is difficult is if we're unaware of that, if we don't see it, you know, as a belief. And there's so many opportunities we have, especially in the financial world, to create meaning. And I just think it's so important. There's so much power, power in that. Uh, you know, we could call it like meta thinking, you know, how we think about thinking about money. And I think a lot of these subconscious beliefs are almost used like for financial self-sabotage. Like people were saying to me, like, for example, like, well, why would I invest in the market? I'm going to lose it all anyway. And you try to explore why that happened. And of course, they can refer to 2008 when they lost 30% and all the money was in, and is now sitting in cash. Why should I bother? Because I'm just going to lose it anyway. And no matter how much empirical data you show them that if they had stayed invested, the market would have recovered. Yes, there's this was a difficult time, but none of those matter because of these of these beliefs that we have. So you, know, you can also see it on a on so many levels. I was talking to someone maybe last week, I think it was at the end of last week, and you know they even said, you know, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but I'm going to go buy this. I know I can't afford it. So I mean, their own like their own inner instinct was telling them that overspending was something that really wasn't in their best interest, but they were going to do it anyway. So I really try to encourage people. I actually have a whole video workshop that you you know, take in the privacy of your home. Uh, I can send you the link. There's also a book. And it goes through and it tries to help you get really clear, conscious about various beliefs that you have about money. And then you get to decide whether that belief is empowering or not. I mean, I have a belief. It, it's made up. The belief is if you work hard, you know, you'll get ahead and make money. And so that belief was very empowering for me for a long time. But there comes a point in your life where I'm like, you know what? I'm working too hard. <laughs> There's other things important in life. I need to slow down a little bit. And so I had to actually change my belief about money that, you know, you don't have to work really hard to make money. You can work smarter. I know it sounds silly, but even a little change in how you think can really have huge impact on the results that you get. So take some time and think about how you think about money and think, is that a belief? Where did that belief come from? If it would be helpful, contact me. I'd love to send you the link to the workshop and the notebook. Not notebook, but the little workbook. Good luck with it. I think we're using the term think too many times in one sentence. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for sharing, Dan. Before we let you leave, let's take the time to get to know you just a little bit better. It's getting to know you time. Well, Dan, we do want to get to know you just a little bit better. You could never quite know where this conversation will lead us. This week's question, of all the groomsmen and bridesmaids who were in your wedding, how many of them are still significantly involved in your life today? Hmm, that's like a really good question. I'm not sure how to define significantly, but there certainly is one that comes to mind. So when I was in college, I had a foreign exchange roommate my sophomore year. Uh, his name was a, her name is Kang Young Shin from South Korea. And we became very, very good friends. So actually, um, we stayed roommates, we ended up going to the same graduate school, and we lived in the same house in graduate school. And it was really a wonderful experience. So I became like a um, an honorary Korean. So I was invited to all the Korean <laughs> events Sweet. when when the Korean student center would get together and the Korean professors would have people over. I would <laughs> I would get invited to. So it kind of it started this like lifelong you know uh, admiration and love of the Korean people, and I'm still very uh, connected with him. Matter of fact, um, I'm 
my family were planning, um, oh, it's about 23 months away, but we're planning on a, a trip to Korea and I plan on visiting him there. Uh, who would ever have thought, right, that we would end up becoming such friends. But yeah, so he was in my wedding. It was his course for him, his first American wedding he had ever been in. And it, it was just a lot of fun. He's a lot of fun. And I've, uh, you know, I love Korean food. You know, I've learned the Korean alphabet. I can no, no way speak Korean at all. But I, I, you know, I know 20 or 30 phrases. Sure. So yeah, I'd say it's Kang Yang Shin. <laughs> it always opened up an entire new world for you. <laughs> absolutely absolutely that's no cool that really is now I've, I've been married less than a year so i guess it's a little too early because of course most of my groomsmen and uh, ushers and whatnot are still around in my life but i'll be curious to come back to that in a few years because i had five i'm doing the math in my head i had five groomsmen and 11 ushers oh my gosh a big <laughs> wedding. and the only reason i didn't have 16 groomsman is because my wife said no i'm not going to put 16 bridesmaids up there with me you have to choose and so i i could have like i got around it by making 11 of them ushers and you know guys don't care it's a suit they don't have to purchase and less duties on their part and so they were glad to do that so oh that's funny yeah good for you but come I back. Had a, i had a very small wedding though so it was very small sure sure very uh very intimate wedding that's yeah. cool. Well, come back to me on that one in maybe, I don't know, 20 or 30 years, and we'll see who's still around <laughs> in my life and who's gone their own separate ways. <laughs> well, Dan, as always, thanks for joining us on the podcast. We love getting your wisdom, and we'll look forward to doing it again. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Join us again for another edition of the Plan with Dan podcast. Fee-based financial planning and investment advisory services are offered by Betzel Wealth Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of Ohio.